Harry Greenwell was a railway worker who went on a murder spree in 1987. This is the story of the Dazen Killer. Good morning. This is Kelly, and welcome back to Kelly's Coffee and Crime Chat. I am enjoying my Java Mama Frosted Pumpkin Roll Coffee. Java Mama Coffee is air roasted. Very, very clean taste. We also have tea and hot cocoa and seasonings. Okay, now let's get to our case. I have a case that I don't even know if I've even heard of it before. If I have, I don't remember. Um, the name is Harry Greenwell. He is dubbed the I-65 killer, also the Days In killer. Um, the Days In killer. Now, uh, I read about this guy and I just, I am just, I can't believe what, how this case went. Um, and I know it was years ago before DNA was really big uh, or more advanced. So I am going to go ahead and start. Um, I got my sources from Wikipedia, The Independent, which is an online publication, and The Indie Star online. So let's see. He was born in Louisville, Kentucky in 1944 to Paul and Dorothy Greenwell. Now, he was one of more than half dozen siblings. I did not get any other um, information on his siblings Um or his family. Um, I know he was, he was arrested in 1963 for an armed robbery and, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. And he was sentenced to two years in a reformatory and five years probation. Um, that was the first arrest. This guy has been in and out of robber, uh, trouble for years. And it was mostly robbery in the early years. Um, he was also arrested in February 23rd of 1965 in Kentucky on a sodomy charge. I have not found any other information on this. Um, but he was paroled in 1969 from the Kentucky state penitentiary. Um, I am surprised that this guy was even now. Okay. This was in the sixties, but it kind of surprises me that he was able to get a job or get, have a life after this record. I mean, a sodomy charge. That's like, a, that's assault to me. I mean, I just don't understand it. But anyway, I don't know how the case went. But um, now his first wife, who I never found out a name, died in 1978 in a house fire. I never found out any details on this house fire. Um, shortly after that, like right shortly after that, he met a 39-year-old single mother named Jenny from what my research um, came up with. Her name was Jenny. I do not know a last name, but uh, they did end up getting married. Now, in 1982, let's go up to 1982, he was arrested for Iowa burglary. And um, in Iowa, he escaped during the arrest. And then he was recaptured twice. So this guy eluded the law. I mean, he got in trouble uh, so many times, but... Um, I don't want to give anything away, so it's kind of, I don't want to skip up. Uh, he served time until he was released in 1983, and then he found employment after all this as a railroad worker. He worked across the Midwest. Now, railroad worker, he was able to travel, of course, and um, 
he worked, um, like I said, the, the tracks across the Midwest. Um, but I-65 is what he, the area that he stuck to. Now, I don't know if that's where his, you know, where he worked as a railroad worker. I mean, it, it just seems to me like that now I-65 goes from Mobile, Alabama, all the way up north to Gary, Indiana. So he was in that area. I mean, I'm guessing that that's I-65 is had to have been close to where the railway that he worked. Um, I'm not familiar with railways. I know they go all over different directions. So like, I have no idea, but um, that just um, interested me. I was, I was intrigued by that. Um, now, Jenny, this, the wife, the wife, I'm get, which is his second wife, filed for divorce in July of 1986. Now, from what I gather in the timeline after this is when the murder spree happened. I don't know if it had something to do with a wife divorcing. I, I Like, I don't know anything about their marriage. But after this, he just started going to... I mean, I'm sure he stayed in hotels. Um, Well, I don't know if he stayed in hotels during his job. Like I said, I wish I could have dug more up on this. But he was... Um, now, he was on his, his job during this. I mean, he was traveling. So he was able to go to the different hotels. So it started in February 21st, 1987. He sexually assaulted and shot 41-year-old Vicki Heath. She was a night clerk at, at a Super 8. Now, this was at a Super 8 in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. There were signs of a fight. There was a phone uprooted from a wall. Uh, her body was found by the police behind a trash bin near the motel. Now, um, of course... They had no idea who did it. DNA was not advanced back then. I mean, this was 1987. Um, so they had no leads. So about two years later in 1989, March 3rd. Now these are the murders. When he went on his murder spree, these are the murders that they were accounted for. They really um, suspect that he had more than this but they just haven't found out yet. So uh, just keep that in mind that these may not have been all of his murders. Um, March 3rd in 1989, he killed two hotel clerks along I-65. The first one was 24-year-old Margaret Gill. Also, they also called her Peggy. Peggy Gill, a night, she was a night auditor at the Maryville, Merrillville, Indiana Days Inn. She was shot twice in the head, sexually assaulted, and her body was dumped in a back hallway. $179 was taken from the motel. So yes, he, he took money also. And this is a guy with a job. Why is he going around killing these clerks and taking money? I do not get it. Um, now, uh, 50 mile, 53 miles away in Remington, Indiana, Four hours later, he sexually assaulted and shot 34-year-old Jean Gilbert, or Jeannie, I think it's pronounced Jeannie, Gilbert, a part-time auditor at the Remington, Indiana Days Inn. Her body was found near the roadway the next morning by a passing motorist, and $247 was taken from that motel. Um, he shot them both with the same 22 caliber handgun. Um... Uh, like I said, I don't understand how he eluded police. I really don't. 
Um, this was two right here shot with the same gun. Um, of course, this is somebody who did not leave a trail as uh, police um, suspected it was a serial. Well, at first they thought when they were thinking serial killer, that it was either a traveling salesman or a truck driver because they travel, you know, they go, they travel. But um, that's what they were centering in on at the beginning is is what they who they thought this was. Um, now, in 1990, which is the following year, January 2nd, he attacked a 21-year-old hotel clerk in Columbus, Indiana, and it was at a day's inn. But she lived, thank goodness. Um, she lived. She was stabbed, sexually assaulted, and robbed. Now, she is known as a Jane Doe. Her name has not been uh, released. Um, she was able to uh, tell the police about describe him she was able to describe him give a description and a sketch was drawn now if you look online at the sketch it is very creepy it is very creepy um he was known to have a lazy eye uh flannel shirt jeans the uh, sketch has him with a um stocking cap on uh, well, that's what i call it stocking cap you know the the, the hat you wear in the winter time um longer hair gray beard it, it, it is a very 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 creepy um sketch and whoever drawn it, it is a very good artist because it really oh, i mean i just i just kept looking at it i'm like what in the heck so i mean if you look at this and you look at his real picture he looks different because in the sketch he's got long hair and a beard so of course all you gotta do is cut your hair and shave you know um but um the eyes the, the eyes are what got me in that sketch so um but she gave that description. And then a, in 1991, he also sexually assaulted and stabbed another woman in Rochester, Minnesota. She didn't, she lived and was able to give that same description. So, you know, with the flannel shirt, jeans, and the lazy eye. Um, now that one, this last one in Rochester, Minnesota, well, I think we think it's the last one. We don't know. Um, that was the only known attack that occurred along I-90. And extensive investigation on this dna was not advanced the case was dismissed in november of 1998 it was considered a cold case until 2008 when dna was submitted from evidence so in 2008 they started working more on this case um they announced in 2010 that the dna evidence linked to th the three murders and they were looking for a serial killer so that's when they, um, 2010 from 1998, hmm, 1998, it went cold. 2010, they said they're looking for a serial killer. Um, I don't like it when cases go cold because it seems like this happens. It seems like they sit on a shelf and then they finally get reopened and so much time has passed. I mean, these, um, murderers are able to have a life and I just, that just really gets to me. Even if they are found years later, like the uh, Golden State Killer, they still had a life. Yeah, they're going to die anytime. Um, but the family does get closure. And that is what uh, happened in this case. Because now the DNA also linked him to at least four cases in several states where female motel clerks were working along I-65. So um, the... Um, 
let's see, the January through March attacks led police to believe that the killer was a seasonal worker. That's right. They thought he was a seasonal worker because they only occurred January through March. So that's when they suspected he was a truck driver or traveling salesman between I-55 and I-65. So let me see here. He was, I'm trying to get my notes ready here. Um, he was, now his personal life, he was arrested, like I said, okay, let me see here. I dug more up on his personal life. He was arrested in 1989 for a traffic violation and a domestic incident in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, a month later, he was arrested for violating a restraining order and sentenced to 15 months probation. Now, this was April of 1989. So, I mean, he's been arrested countless, countless times. Um, he was arrested for felony possession in Iowa in um, October of 1988, 1998. So, this was in 98. Um, and then he retired. Now, get this. He retired from the Canadian Pacific Railway in February of 2010. He was able to have a retirement. Um and at this time, he was noted for his generosity. He was a kind and charismatic man, according to um, his third wife, because he did get married three times. So he had his third wife, and um, she, there is an article about her online talking about this. She never, she had three adult kids, adult kids, <laughs> and um he was with them all the time, alone with them all the time. She never, ever, ever suspected him of anything. Nobody suspected him of this. Nobody did. So like I said, in my last case, just because you know somebody don't mean you know somebody. And you really gotta, it's, it's just amazing that um, since I've been studying true crime, it's really opened my eyes about people, not only people I know, but people I meet. Um, just to be aware. It's good to be aware. It's not that you're paranoid you know, which people can't assume I'm always paranoid, but I'm just aware about things more than what I used to be. And that is one of the reasons I'm glad I studied true crime. Um, now he died of cancer in Lansing, Iowa in 2013. Okay. That's when he died. So, um, they were able to identify him through genealogy just like the golden state killer so he was uh the dna was over 99 percent the indiana state police announced that he is responsible for all these murders and these attacks on april 5th 2022 so that just happened earlier this year he was found through genealogy they found a close a, a relative of his through the genealogy family tree and that is how they solved the case so the case is solved but he was able to have a life because <laughs> he died in 2013 he never paid for these crimes and that's the one thing that intrigued me about this case he had a double life he was married he was married three times people thought he was wonderful but uh harry greenwell was not wonderful. Um, it is just amazing to me that he is able to have a life. Um, like I said, serial killer by day, loving family man by night. And that is the story of Harry Greenwell. 
I did not, I was not able to dig all that much on uh, up of, of these, but if you go online, you can see uh, the photos of uh, the um, victims who I would like to really dedicate this episode to because these girls, they were just doing their job. They were doing their job, worked as a night clerk, and this scumbag was never brought to justice. So I just, um, it left me when I read about this, it just left me just. I don't know. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's sad. Um, the families do have closure. They can heal. But when you think about him having a life, it just makes you, it makes me very angry. That is something that I just cannot. Uh, when people talk about forgiveness, I just, I don't think I could ever forgive somebody, especially since they have never, ever been brought to justice. There's no remorse there. I mean, he lived a double life, you know. Everybody thought he was wonderful. But um, that's the story of Harry Greenwell and these poor, um, like I said, there's three victims, but uh, that's accounted for and they suspect. And I'm pretty sure I think I read that they are still investigating him because there's other murders out there that are unsolved uh, that are in this area. And they think that he had, you know, they're trying to, find out if um he had more victims so hopefully they can find out and their families can heal so what a case i do have a couple other cases in mind that i am going to be covering um in local peoria here this one i wanted to kind of go out a little bit in indiana i'm trying to get more now this took place of course indiana and iowa kentucky he was from so and that's where he he um assaulted and shot his first victim um vicky heath and that was in elizabethtown kentucky so i am looking for more cases around the area around um illinois and um wisconsin and missouri iowa so i'm branching out and learning some more cases i do like to do cases that aren't heard of as much so if anybody has any suggestions i am open to suggestions you can follow me on instagram at kelly's coffee crime chat and I also have a Facebook page, Kelly's Coffee and Crime Chat, which is a private group. You are free to join. There is some questions at the beginning. And um, so that's where I am. If you have any, any questions, um, I can also be emailed at Kelly S. Landon, L-A-N-D-O-N, at gmail.com. And I am also on Twitter at Kelly Landon 1. That is my um, screen name. And I'm also on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on just about almost every platform. <laughs> Some of the newer ones I'm not familiar with. But I am on Snapchat, by the way. I'm just never on it. I'm on it, but I'm never on it. So anyway, that is the case today. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And like I said, we are in the second week of September, and it is almost October, which uh, September to me is October Eve, because this is my favorite time of year. I cannot wait until Halloween, uh, Halloween time, the season. I love my scary movies. I love my different colored leaves falling, my pumpkin spice, and my flannels and sweaters and cozy socks. <laughs> Have a great one, everybody. And I will see you next time.